We'll see you next year. No, I won't say that yet. But, uh, but no, it is, it is good to have you with us here this morning. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles today to Ephesians chapter 3. And we are beginning a series for the next few weeks. We're going to look at this chapter in a very deep way. Now, Ephesians 3 is awesome. Uh, I know we did a series on Ephesians a few months back. And you said, well, did we just do Ephesians? The answer, of course, is yes, we did. We kind of flew through three, though, because I had a plan uh, back then that I wanted to focus on that chapter a lot more deeply at the beginning of the year. And yes, it is the beginning of the year, right? Christmas is over. The presents are put away. The tree is probably still up, but whatever. It's all over. Now we're looking towards the 2020. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it how fast time Time goes, but we're going to talk this uh, next few weeks about, about praying for empowerment from God. And so, because the truth this morning is this, is that unless we pray, it's not going to happen. Amen? Now you're like, well, what does that mean? I mean, it just sounds like a, just a thing you say sometimes. Well, the reality is, is that it is anything we need God to do in or on our behalf. It doesn't happen unless we pray. That is just the absolute truth. And my concern as a pastor in modern America, and I have a few of those, I'll just be honest with you, one of those concerns is that we, we can become to a place in our lives where we think we can kind of do life without prayer. We can do life, we can expect God to do big things in our lives without praying. And that's a concern I have. It's easy to slip into thinking that prayer is not the key to the puzzle in our lives. And, and I know that because I sometimes struggle with that, right? There are days when I get up and I just kind of do my business and do my thing. And I have said, wow, I didn't pray this morning. I didn't, didn't do this today. And I, I, I sometimes, like all of us have, this mentality that says we can make this without God's. Amen? See, the truth is this morning we can't. Now, we, all, we, we always post on our Instagram accounts that prayer matters, that prayer is big, that prayer is important. But oftentimes what happens is we don't do it as much as we feel that we should. That's my concern as, as a pastor in modern America. And so I want to walk through that. So we're going to call the church in a few weeks to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, you might say, well, don't we do this every year? Is this like a, a tradition? And the answer to that is yes and yes. Uh, I cannot think of a better way to start the year, right? I mean, then, then praying. I also can't think of a better tradition to have than to give God January or the beginning of February, that kind of period of time. I can't think of a better tradition, right, than giving God that time and just expecting that God will do something in our, our lives. And so this is a very, very big deal. I want to launch us out in prayer. And so we're going to walk through Ephesians in a very deep way. And we're going to look at this, and there really is so much in this chapter that we're not going to get through all of it, but there really is so many wonderful things that God wants to show us about praying for empowerment. So you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to kind of walk through that in the next few, few weeks here, but, but prayer is the determining factor in so many parts and areas of our lives. And I want to show you this morning what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says these words, not on the screen today, but just listen today. It says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Now, how many of you would like to think like that? 
right? When you think of this giant thing that God has done, all you can do is fall to your knees and thank God the Father. How many would like to think like that? I know that when I read this, I say, God, I want to think like that. What's so cool about this chapter and really Ephesians as it goes is that, that Paul breaks down and lays down for us how this, this works. So I want to start off today with two questions. And the first one this morning is, do you enjoy prayer? Like, do you enjoy prayer? Now, I don't mean like, don't give me the religious, I, yes, of course, I love it. I pray every day. It's the most wonderful thing. And you say that, but yet you don't really live like that, right? That can be the case for some of us sometimes, right? Do you enjoy prayer? Or, do you, or would you say that, well, I pray because I know if I don't pray, my life will not go the way that it should, and I don't want that to be the case, and so I pray because it's my duty as a Christian to pray, and that can be the case for a lot of us. Or you might say, no, I, I, I pray, but it's been a while. I pray once in a while, but, you know, I don't pray a lot. And so, man, I just realized it's been a long time. So I haven't prayed very much, and when I do pray, it's not all that great when I do. Maybe your attitude says, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I sure, pray, prayer is good and prayer is valuable, but for some people, but not really for me. I can kind of make it on my own, and, and that might be your case. And, 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 or any of the reason you don't pray regularly, to be honest this morning, the, the truth is, is that you don't enjoy praying. Now, that, that's the case, I think, for a lot of us. I think if we sat person to person, we sat face to face, you and me, we said, I asked you that question, you were honest with me, and then give me the pastor answer, you give me the honest answer, you would say, well, prayer can be kind of tough sometimes. I'm not sure all the time what I'm supposed to do. I'm not always sure. I, I pray for a minute or two or three minutes, and I've kind of gone through everything, and I know to say, and that's it. And you know, I know I should probably pray for an hour or two or three hours a day, but I just can't do that. I got too much to do. And so prayer becomes this struggle for a lot of us, I don't think you raise your hand because that's not, would be good, but I would be not surprised if a lot of us have an answer something like that. And if that's the case for you this morning, you're not alone, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. We're going to walk through this. But the reason why I know you don't enjoy prayer is because if you don't pray a lot, it's an enjoyable thing. But if you don't do it very much, I know this because we always make time for the things that give us joy and peace, Right? We make time for the things that are good. We make time for the things that, that help for us. But the, tr the, the reality is that prayer is the absolute most valuable, most important thing we can do as believers. So what do you think the enemy would work to bring confusion and bring us to the place where you think it's not that big of a deal? It's prayer, right? Because, of course, again, if we learn how, or we learn the value, the importance, we would not be able to stop doing this. So it's no secret that the enemy understands this and knows this and works in our lives to change our thinking and our mindset towards prayer. We're going to walk through Paul and learn from Paul and how this works to turn this around. You see, it could be that you don't enjoy praying because you saw prayer as a child or you've seen it someplace else as a joyless duty that you have to do and fulfill as a Christian. And church, that just simply is not prayer. It could be that you taught that prayer is important in word, but it's not important in deed. 
People sometimes say, oh yeah, we're a praying family, but they pray very little together as a family. It could be that you saw it was for spiritual elites, but not for you, or whatever it might be. Man, I'm excited that you're here because we're going to walk through some of these things through the next few weeks here at, at church. And my next question this morning is, do you have confidence in your prayers? Now, I'm going to be honest this morning. I'm going to get a little deeper right now. We're going to kind of go a little, little deeper here this morning because, because I'll be honest today. If you don't have confidence, what you're doing when you pray is not true prayer. If you don't have confidence that your prayer is making a difference, what you do when you sit down to pray is it's not true prayer. What you're doing is if, what you get out of this, if anything, is very, very little. And I'm willing to bet that for a lot of us, the reason why we pray very little is because this is in our mentality. We say, God, help me, but I wonder if he's really going to do that. Lord, I need you to minister right now, but I wonder if he really can or if he really will. God, I need you to do this, but I'm not really sure how this works if you hear me. And there's all kinds of reasons why we think that way. But listen to what James 1 says about that. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. Now, notice this here does not say if anyone that you ask lacks a Cadillac or lacks a brand new Mustang convertible or lacks this or lacks that. If anyone lacks this, let him ask of God and give this generously. He didn't say that, right? He says wisdom. That's important there this morning. He says he gives this to all without reproach. It'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person... Must not suppose he'll get anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That, person, that verse says a person who asks but doubts that what they ask and they doubt, it does nothing for them. And it says that person is unstable. When a person like that prays, what we find from Scripture, we find throughout Scripture, is that that person, when they pray and say, God, will you help me? But I'm not really sure if you hear, you will hear, you will work. What that person has is that person has answered their own prayer, right? They've already answered it. That's already done. It's finished. God, can you help me? I'm not sure you can. Yes, that's your answer. He won't do it. You're like, well, how do you know? It's right here in the Word. It says this right here. You see, it's important for us to understand how these things work. Church, I will be honest with you. Until God got a hold of my life and helped me understand this for, my, for myself, I prayed like that too sometimes. Because of all kinds of reasons. Because I prayed and asked God for things, and it didn't happen the way I thought it should. I prayed and asked God to heal. I prayed to ask God to do this or do that. And things didn't happen as I thought they should. And so all those times, all those years, it kind of whittled away at my faith. Now, I've known God all my life, but it whittled away at my faith. So I came to a point where I said, okay, I'll pray because I know I'm supposed to, but I'm not really sure it works all that much. Now, I wouldn't have told you that. I would never have admitted that. But deep down in my heart, that's exactly what was going on. And again, what happened so often is that my prayer was a self fulfilling prophecy. See, church, the word here tells us this, and then what happens is we go about life. It contributes to our fear or our doubt of the power of prayer, and then the problem goes that much deeper. See, we have many people who walk this planet who are professing Christians, who are professing believers, 
who, who say that they know and walk with Jesus, and, 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 and they're going to go to heaven someday. That's not really the, the, the issue here. But yet they, they pray, and they don't know if God can really do anything, so their prayer becomes this kind of lifeless, powerless thing. And they say, well, is God working? Can God do this? Can God do that? And the answer is God doesn't work like that. See, we're going to walk through those things as well as this church, as, as a church, next few weeks. Let's turn this morning to, again, to Ephesians 3. This is our text for our series. And, and in this passage here, Paul gives this incredible confidence in God and his prayer life. Listen to what he says. Now, he does this, and, and you've got to ask the question, because if you know about Paul or the, the scenario here, you would ask the question, how? Because Paul is writing this passage from a prison gate, from a prison cell. He is not in a, an American prison cell. He is in a prison over back in Bible times, which was no picnic. And so Paul is there writing this from prison, and he is there because he preached the word of God. Talk about the worst case scenario, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine you're doing what God told you to do, right? God spoke to you and said, go do this, go do that. You do it, and then you get thrown in the slammer. Talk about the, the worst case scenario. Paul is there. That's how Paul writes this passage, and he writes this to a people who are in a very similar position. See, what happens for us a lot of times in modern America is that we equate comfort, we equate an ease of life and comfort with God's blessing. Now that can happen at times, right? There are times when God's blessing does bring us comfort, but that's not a biblical ideal. That is a Western ideal because the truth is throughout Scripture we find God speaks and God works and God ministers to those who are in the throes of difficulty, that's what we have here in Ephesians. And where that was at one time an encouragement to us nowadays sometimes, that can be the very knock against God we're looking for. Right? Well, God, look at how tough my life is right now. If you were real, if you were good, if you said all the things that you do, God, if that's really how you were, I wouldn't be in this position today. The truth this morning, church, is that's not the promise that God has given us. God didn't promise us that our life would be easy, wealthy, and blessed. God promised us he would walk with us through every scenario in our lives. Good, bad, terrible, indifferent, whatever it might be, God promised to be there with us this morning. Amen? That's the beauty of what this passage begins to lay down for us. You see, for them, encouragement, we have to have a similar mind this morning. And so again, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 says, When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Now he says God's plan here. It's pretty amazing what he, he tips to. Because if you read the first two chapters of Ephesians, you find that, God, that, that Paul lays down all kinds of deep theological truths about God, about sin, about the plan of God to, to save mankind. I mean, he goes through it. It's pretty remarkable. He walks through some deep theology. And I have learned something in my life as well that the, the closer I get to God, the more I understand about him and his character and who he is, the more I find myself being able to go into his presence with confidence and not being shy or being scared of what he may say 
or what he may do. Theology matters, church. Now you're like, really? What's this all about this morning? I'm going to get to this, I promise. But see, Paul recalls his deep understanding of theology, and he launches in prayer. That's very important. Let me illustrate it like this. Back when I was a youth pastor, I worked at a church in Detroit, Metro Detroit, and uh, because I worked there, a lot of people there worked at the big three. So we held kinds of people in our church that uh, were, were engineers or they were just all kinds of different people uh, who worked there. We had a guy in our church who was the project engineer for cars. And so I love cars. I always have loved cars. And this guy knew this. And so Tom, this guy, Miss Tom, would bring in cars to me sometimes to, to check out. And so one time, I got a picture here of, this, of, of a car that he Show me my, my first interaction with this car. This is actually not the car. This is just like it. It was a 2006 yellow Z06, Corvette Z06. It was, I saw this before it came out to the public, and I saw this in the back of a trailer in the church parking lot. So Tom brought it in to me one time, and he said, hey, I got a present for you outside. Now, I knew what that meant because Tom had brought me cars before, and so I was excited to get outside. Now, Tom is a car nerd. Okay, I like cars. This dude, this dude could tell you all of the details of everything. So we're walking out this car, and Tom is talking to me about the power and, and what it does and how fast it is and how this is such an incredible car out the line. He's going through all this stuff, and as, I'm, as he's talking, all I want to say is get me to the car, right? Get me out there. And he didn't tell you what it was yet, okay? I didn't know what it was. He just said, the car. So he opens this door, and there it is. It's shimmering. It's pristine. It's yellow, which I'm not a lover of yellow, but that whatever. It was, but it was a Z06. I have heard of this car, and now I'm seeing one in person. We go inside this, 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 this trailer, and Tom is, again, just going on and on and on and on about all the cool things that does, the depths of all this car and such. And, and when Tom would bring a car in, and he was, these were testers, he was an engineer, so the car would look similar on the outside to a normal car, but inside would have just tons of gadgets and tons of things inside. So I sit in this car, and there's just junk everywhere, but it's the car, and it is awesome. And he says, do you want to drive it? And I said, yes, I do. He says, well, you can't drive it. Too bad. He says, but what you can do is you can drive it around the parking lot. So I'm like, I don't care. Something's good. So I got that thing. I started up, pulled back to the trailer, and I peeled that thing around the parking lot and that church that night a bunch of times. And he says, if I know it, if he would find out you're doing this, you'd be fired. So I won't say his last name. I won't tell you who his last name was. If you're listening, Tom, I'm sorry. But, but anyway, so I'm peeling around this parking lot, but I will tell you something, that everything Tom said about this car made me want to drive it and believe it even more. This was an, an incredible car. That's what Paul does for us as he lays down the first two chapters of Ephesians. He says, this is what God has provided. This is what God's done. This is who God is. This is the kind of great salvation you have. He even tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, he talks about how, man, he says, you were lost in your sin. You had nothing. And, it, and God's goodness isn't because you're good. It's because of his grace and his rich blood and mercy that's provided you that chance as he walks through this, his power to save, his power to, to heal. And he says, because he wants you to know that the more you know about what God's done for you, the more more thankful you become. 
the more you'll understand the depth of our salvation and the less likely you'll be saddled with doubts and tossed about like a wave on the sea. Receive nothing when you pray. Again, I, I want to be honest this morning. One of my other concerns as a pastor in modern America is that we are okay with surface-level Christianity, that we are okay with things that are kind of up here and, okay, God, I want you to help me. I want you to get me out of a problem. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Okay, God, I, I believe in you. Yeah, sure. But we never let things get deeper down and walk, actually walk through and understand theology. We find ourselves falling asleep when that happens. We're like, I don't care. Tell me something that matters or something that, that, that makes sense in my life when we've never allowed the, 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 the relationship we have with God go deeper than this surfacey thing. And that's a good thing to a certain extent, but it's got to go deeper than that. Church, this is what Paul begins to help us to understand. Listen to verse 7. It says, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. See, Paul knew who he was. Paul knew where his calling came from and who gave it to him and that it was a gift. And he says, which was given to me by the working of his power. And then he says, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints. Now, Paul is, is humble. He is not self-depreciating. He's humble. That's an important thing. He's not, not depreciating his life. He, just, he knows who he is. He knows what kind of person he is. He says, he says the grace was given. Not earned, but given to me that grace was from God to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is the bedrock of all this whole conversation is, is this, this idea. It's a foundation of prayer with power. Because the enemy might tell you, say, what right do you have? You mean you're going to believe God for something big? You mean you're going to pray and you're going to ask God to do this or do that? What right do you have? I know what your past is. I know what you did at one time. I know what, you, what car you stole. I know what you did. I know how you did this. I know how that worked. I didn't steal a car, by the way. Just, just clear that up. But, you know, I know what you did. You see, that happens sometimes for us, doesn't it? There are some of us that approach the presence of God, and all we hear is what we did in the past and what we had to do. And we say, well, and the enemy says, well, what right do you have to even believe this in the first place? And Paul begins to show us and help us to understand that, that this morning, that yes, we may struggle with prayer when we walk that. And you see, if you spend your entire prayer time with this feeling of like, oh, I've messed up, oh, I've done this, I've done that, it's no wonder why we don't enjoy prayer. You see, Jesus, or James describes this as, as this, as someone who's unstable. You need to settle this. Where you say, okay, enemy, yes, I have a past. Yes, I've done some things, but in Christ, the bedrock, all that has changed. Amen? All that's different now because of what he has done. And God has a plan, and it's good to bring it to light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? Who created all things? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let me focus in there. Here. It says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Jesus Christ our Lord in whom we. Now listen here today, church. This is not for everybody. This passage here is, is somewhat exclusive. Yes, it is. It's exclusive for those who are in the body of Christ. You don't know Jesus this morning, and you've tried to pray in your life before, and you say, well, nothing's ever happened because 
I've tried praying and just didn't work out. You see, the promises here, this word, this promise here specifically, this is for those who know and who have come to know Jesus as their Savior. Now you're like, well, that sounds pretty foolish and pretty mean. Why would God, that sounds kind of mean. No, that's God speaking to his children. Now you have the chance this morning to come to faith in Christ. You can know him and you can walk with him. But you might have experienced this before. You're like, man, I, I, I mean, I sure, maybe God's there. Maybe God, I don't, I don't know. I'll give a shot. I'll try to throw a prayer up there. Maybe it'll work. No, God does not work like that this morning. You see, in him, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. I want to highlight three words today real fast this morning before I, I close today. The first word I want to highlight today is the word boldness. This word boldness in the Greek is the word parisia. And it's, it's confidence that's open and plain. That's, that's what this speaks to. This means you don't have to flower it all up when you go to God. You tell him how it is rea with reality. Now, you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't tell your family making breakfast one morning. You wouldn't say, okay, family, wouldst thou appreciate us some of the holy eggs and the holy bacon? That, of course, would be only preceded by the wonderful coffee, which, of course, will then be followed up by thy holy uh, hash browns. And then, of course, I will then follow the whole thing up and proceedeth with the orange juice squeezed to the essence of oranges. Of course you wouldn't do that, right? But see, that's how we talk to God sometimes. We got to flower the whole thing and say all this kind of stuff. When the word here tells us that's not what God's looking for. He's looking for those who are bold, who walk into his presence, who speak with confidence that's open and plain. Because of Jesus, you can come boldly free of apprehension. God loves it when we talk to him boldly. God loves when we talk plainly to him. You see, what I'm doing here, God, is powerful. What I'm doing here, Lord, as I pray, is I'm, is it effect, it's effective. Why? Not because I said it was, but Lord, because you said it is. Lord, you revealed this to me. Lord, I'm your child. I'm in you. I'm in your, I'm in your family. I don't have to be afraid if you'll accept me. That's been solved at the cross, period. Amen? See, that's boldness. Number two today is the word access. What does Paul mean by access? Listen to these verses. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Verse, chapter 2, verse 18, for, though we, for through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. Romans 5.2 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You and I have access to the most holy and I'll, I'll tell you something this morning, church, until you can get to that to the point where you are like in awe that you get to have access to God, the Father, that you get to come to him whenever you want, and it's not this like groveling that I have to come groveling at his feet, but I, can, I have access because he has provided it for me. Until you come to that place in your life, you will struggle with the joy and with the essence of what prayer is. You have access to God because of Jesus Christ. And, and it's so cool that because the minute you're saved, Jesus presents you to the Father. 
Jesus says, Father, we, we, we put faith in this person's heart, and this person accepted it. So this person is now saved. This person is delivered. This person is healed. Lord, God, this person is yours. This person is justified, made just as if they had never sinned before. He says, meet your new son or daughter. And God says, welcome to the family. You now have access that you didn't have before. Now, some of you know what this is like because you just went through Christmas. You endured, I mean, went through it. Went through Christmas with your family and, and you have family members that have access to your house that you don't give to anybody else, right? They will go places and they will look in places that nobody else would ever look in. But they do and you're okay with that because they're family. Well, maybe a little bit. To me. No, no, they're family. They have access. You see, you have that kind of access with God the Father. That's a remarkable truth this morning. And then in closing, the last part is the band comes forward this morning. We have confidence. We have confidence this morning. And we have confidence in a few things. We have confidence that he hears us. We can be confident that God the Father hears when we pray. Again, I've run to people who've said, Pastor, is he hear me when I pray? And I will tell you that, that that's your question this morning. It's okay to have questions, but you have to get that settled this morning. If you want to hear and see what God is going to do, you have to settle that. You have, can have confidence that he hears. When the word says, ask and you will receive, you say, okay, I'll ask. Not because I think it should happen, because the word of God says, this is how it works. Again, when that's settled in your heart, God starts changing how you see the world. You have confidence he hears. You have confidence he cares. The word says he knows the very hairs on your head. For some of you, it's a lot harder than me. I, I almost know my hairs on my head, but, but God knows the hairs on your head. You see, sound doctrine powers powerful prayer. Amen? You are confident in his power. The word says he breathes and galaxies are formed. You can be confident that he's able. Would you stand across this room this morning? You can be confident he's able, that he is able to do exactly what he said that he is. You bow your head, you close your eyes this morning. You see, I want, to, I want you to note the progression in this verse. You see, it says there's boldness at the beginning, and then there's confidence at the end. First John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And when we know that he hears us, and whenever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we have asked. Something I want to share with this scripture as, we, as a band plays, as your head's bowed, as your eyes are closed this morning. See, this, this, this scripture here talks about the fact that we have co this confidence that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. There are times when my children ask things to their dad that is not according to my will, and though I hear them, I don't respond to them in the way they think that I should. I have a daughter who is nine who thinks she's 15 and she wants a cell phone with all of her heart and she has asked for a cell phone i mean i don't a hundred times maybe i mean I, I, a lot of times 
Daddy, I want a cell phone. Daddy, I, I want a cell phone, Daddy. All my, my friends are getting them. Daddy, can I just have an iPod Touch? I, that'll, I'll, that'll be okay. She, she's starting to learn how the, the game works here. I can I have an iPod Touch? And my answer is always no. And then she'll ask again, Daddy, can I have a cell phone? I say, no, not yet, someday, not, not, not this day. I want a cell phone, Daddy. Daddy, if I only had a cell phone, then, man, I, I, Daddy, I could do this, I could do that. I could. I'm like, no, sweetie, no. You can't have a cell phone right now. You're nine years old. Wait a few more years. See, we, our, 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 our understanding of God has to mature because that is oftentimes how we pray as well, isn't it? God, I want this. And then he hears us, but he may not respond like, we, like he thinks that we should. And so we equate that with not hearing or not speaking. Now, the problem is that sometimes we, the things we ask God for are way better things than a cell phone. Right? We say, God, how could you not want me to have this thing? Lord, this is so good. How could you not want this? Lord, how could you not want this to happen in my life? Lord, are you listening? Are you there? Are you, are you, are you working? God, how can this happen? How can this work? See, this morning, church, when it comes to prayer, what I want to drive home this morning, before we get into everything else, is that when you come to the place where you are settled on what the Word says about God first, when you are settled on His goodness, when you are settled on His mercy, when you are settled on His knowledge, on His understanding, on His being settled about everything else, when you're settled on that, then everything else begins to change in your life when it comes to prayer. But for many of us, we've never come to that place because we've not allowed God to work deep in our hearts, that theological truth. And this morning, the, 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 the songs and the message and the, even, even Sherry's, Sherry's word today is so, so applicable to this. We come to this place with God where we say, God, I want this and I want that. I want you to do this. And if he doesn't do it as we say he should, we start to question and wonder who God is and what he's doing. And then he tells us, if you do that, well, you get nothing. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where we say prayer doesn't work. I will tell you, church, this morning that I have prayed for many things in my life that has not come true. I asked God when I was in college for this girl to marry me. Man, I wanted her to marry me so bad. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, God, she's the one, she's it, she's, she's everything. I want her. And she dumped me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had many times like that. And then came Lisa. God, I want you to heal my knee. Lord, heal my knee. God, how could you not want to heal my knee? God, it, it, it hurts. It's frustrating. All this, for years I prayed for that and nothing happened. Until one year, God did. God, will you do this in my life? God, will you do that? And, and for much of the time, God did not do those things. And I will tell you, things started changing in my life when I started getting off the roller coaster of putting God on trial when I prayed and just saying, God, I am settled on you no matter the outcome. And I will tell you this morning that when that began to change in my life, when that James chapter 1 scripture began to take root in my heart, I started seeing God do things in my life. Not because I'm great and you're not. Because I'm settled on what the Word says about God and who He is. 
I'm settled on, on my, my, my prayer life. Church, your prayer time can be the best, most powerful, most life-giving, most amazing time of your entire day. It can be what gives you life. Not your car, not your job, not your stuff. It can be your, your time with Jesus. First, be settled on Him. This morning, church, would you lift your hands, would you lift your hearts this morning? I want to pray and I want to ask God to minister to us this morning. And I want you to do something big and something bold this morning. I want you to ask God for something, but I want you to follow it up with this. Lord Jesus, I am asking you for this. I'm confident in this. But Lord Jesus, I do this as according to your will. Because I know, and Lord, that you are stronger and you are bigger and greater. Can God heal? Absolutely. Can God provide without question? Can God do things that are bigger and stronger than we can ever ask or imagine, which we're going to get to in a little bit? Yes. But starts first, Lord, my being settled on you, who you are, and my in your word, and I am this morning. And Jesus, if we're not today, Lord, let us settle that first. This next few moments as the band plays, as we just kind of take some time to allow God to minister in our lives, that's what I want to ask you to do. Ask him for something this morning. Then follow it up with, Lord, what's your will? Jesus, minister in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray.